Welcome to Spectre in the Fog, a homebrew Call of Cthulhu Chaosium game. Last time, our investigators discovered that ANS Co were not only shipping weapons, but possibly dwellites as well. As caged in a basement under the Goods Inn building, the four men discovered a group of dwellites chained to the stone wall behind them. After discussing the pros and cons of killing them, they are interrupted by the sounds of the workers of the yard arriving for the evening. Thinking quickly, they let the Dwellites loose and make their escape on a boat. This is where they meet a new friend, Hamish, a salty man of the sea who reluctantly agrees to aid the group in their escape. Once safe, Hamish agrees to further help the group and disappears off into the shipyards. Returning to Reed, and filling him in on the details of their investigation, the five men decide it may be a good idea to follow up on one of the leads in the leisure and head back to Croydon. Unfortunately, we lost a chunk of audio for this episode. So once again, I shall fill you in on the events missed. Please enjoy. Prologue. It began to rain as the investigators stepped off the train from Victoria. They had arrived at their destination, East Croydon. The platforms were busy with porters moving luggage and travellers coming up from the Sussex coast after days out, the commuters returning home after a long day's work in the city. It was late in the afternoon, too late to really begin an investigation, and so the four men decide to call it a day and begin afresh in the morning. Marcus, being local, kindly invited them to a meal at his lodging house, where his landlady, Mrs Winkle, awaited his return. The walk in the rain wasn't far to his lodgings, and, even though they had been in each other's pockets the last few weeks, Marcus would be happy for the company, if only to have someone other than Mrs Winkle to speak to. Mrs Winkle, you see, was a widowed woman, ten years Marcus's senior, and quite taken with him. Marcus, being the man of honour that he was, felt the veiled advances were improper, to say the least, and left him uncomfortable. He had a great deal of respect and admiration for Mrs Winkle, but that was as far as it went. Upon their arrival and brief explanation of the evening's plan, Mrs Winkle went off to prepare a supper for the now wet and slightly weary travellers. The past week's investigations were beginning to take their toll on the men, so a warm room and delicious food were very welcome. Well, they were welcome before Marcus threw the group out after Cicero and Mrs Winkle began to make eyes at each other across the room. The thought of Mrs Winkle and Cicero together, it did not bear a moment's more thought. Out they went. They would have to find lodgings elsewhere in town at one of the local pubs for the night. The next morning, and a restful night's sleep under their belts, the four men met in the centre of town. The aim was to investigate Surrey Street, and hopefully find where the shipments in the ledger were heading to. Surrey Street, though not a long street, was very busy and packed with stall owners and punters, a bustling hub of activity. It would make it hard for the group to stay together and effectively gather information. The best bet was to split up and ask around. And so they did, beginning to look for clues and asking questions of the locals. Craster, however, made a beeline for the local pub, the Dog and Ball, and spent most of the morning drinking and trying to mix with the locals. The idea being you may catch a few words from some of the men that worked in the yards and on the stalls in the area. Marcus, Cicero and Wilfred, in the meantime, learnt of a warehouse that may be worth looking at, as Craster was nowhere to be seen. 
wanted to chase up a fresh lead, the three men made the decision to make their way there, just on the off chance he had also come across the same information. Just as the investigators passed the dog and ball, they are nearly knocked over by Craster, who is being thrown out of the pub after having vomiting on a table and all over the floor. All this while trying to listen in on a conversation at the bar and drinking tankards of gin to fit in, but more to calm his frayed nerves. Craster, pretty well drunk at this point, was all over the place. So Cicero volunteers to enter the pub to fetch some water in the hope it may help sober up the man. Unfortunately, being the odd chap that he is, Cicero entered the pub with a pair of bloomers on his face and also gets told to leave immediately by the landlord. Finally, Marcus ends up heading in and speaks to Ned, the owner, and smooths over what has just happened all while getting a glass of water for Craster, which he promptly threw into Craster's face. After a walking a little ways towards the Crown Hill end of Surrey Street, they come across an alley that leads to the yard in question. The information they had received through questioning led them to believe that this was the likely location of the incoming shipments from Wapping. Approaching as stealthily as possible, the men began to peer into the yard through gaps in the fence. The yard itself was medium-sized, enough to store a good number of crates and large enough to get a horse or cart into. At the back of the yard, Opposite the main gates was a smallish warehouse, a little run down, but at least from the outside, still relatively watertight. With the cursory investigation, they see multiple crates marked with the ANS Co logo sitting out in the open. As the gates were open and no one appeared to be around, they walked into the yard and began to open a crate. The four men stop. Just as they were about to pry the lid off of the crate in front of them, they hear what sounds like a small group of people coming out of the warehouse at the back of the yard. Four armed men emerge from the warehouse. Marcus, quick on his feet as ever, dashed out of the yard, while Craster snuck off to one of the corners, hiding under a tarp draped over a couple of open crates, and promptly fell asleep. Wilfred and Cicero are stuck, the reactions not fast enough. Wilfred does the only thing he can, Mustering all the bullshitting skills he has gained over the many years as a journalist, he confronts the men, pretending to be a yard inspector. To his, and Cicero's surprise, it works. He successfully convinces them of his job and manages to talk his way out of trouble, and then begins to berate the men for not doing their jobs properly. While all this was happening, Marcus snuck back into the yard and headed off towards the back to check the warehouse, finding more boxes one of which was open. Looking inside, he sees it has padding much like the crates Craster found at the ANS Co warehouse in Wapping. With nothing else there of interest and his time limited, Marcus snuck back out into the yard, grabbing Craster while Wilfred continued to distract the men. Once Marcus and Craster were clear, Wilfred and Cicero made their move and left the yard. After that bit of unintentional excitement, the four men make their way back to the pub for lunch. While eating a very filling steak and kidney pie, Wilfred overheard a couple of the local fellas talking about some people going missing in the area and the fact the papers weren't investigating. This annoyed Wilfred. He was about to confront them when he hears something else from the other side of the bar. Wilfred overhears some men talking about the yard they were just at 
and how their boss was approached to house some goods, but turned it down as the boss felt the gent looked shifty. Turns out the same gent went to the yard the four men were just at, which is owned by Jedediah Crane, a friend of Marcus. Crane accepted the offer and now receives the shipments. Wilfred shared the information with the group and, as Marcus knew Crane, they decided the next step would be to make their way to his townhouse in West Croydon. And this is where we will join our investigators, on the street, outside Jedediah Crane's house. Right, so the four of you have made it to Crane's house. Um, as I was saying, who's gonna who's gonna who's gonna go up? I'll, I'll go up, but I don't think there's a problem with having the others with me. Like these are my associates. Okay, cool. Um, oh, hang on. Before we do though, how do we want to play this, Wilfred? Do you still want to play it as you were doing, um, like a, a check on them? Because they've probably mentioned at this point now to somebody that you know they were somebody came by and asked questions. Yeah, but are they going to know that was me specifically? Oh, if somebody came to me with like some guy came wandering around, I'd be like, well, what, what did he look like? Mm. Yeah. Maybe I should stay out of it then. Because if you've already got a rapport with this guy, yeah, you might be able to allow it. If I'm there, it might throw that out. So maybe well, I shouldn't be there. All right. Okay. How about. Hmm, well, do we have any other leads though, apart from just with uh, Crane? Not at the moment, but I think we've got a bit of time anyways. We said we had like eight hours. I could, yeah. Maybe I, I, I could like go around the market and make some inquiries. Yeah, make some, right? make some inquiries, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll go and do journalism things, slash go downstairs and get a can of lemonade. It is about um, half to three o'clock in the afternoon now, once you guys have finished eating and made your way to, uh, to Crane's house. So you haven't really got that much more time before the yeah. uh, before the town hall meeting starts, if that's where you want to go. I'm going, to, I'm going to go see Crane first. Okay. I'm just going to generally ask around to see if anyone else has seen anyone else going into the, in and out of the war warehouse. Yeah. Okay. okay. In the meantime, shall I Craster and, and Cicero? Do you want to go with me or do you want to go with Wilfred? Well, if we're splitting up like that, then I'll go with Wilfred because they saw me as well. And then you two can go together. Yeah, I'll go with that. Uh, right. Does that sound better? Yeah, probably, that probably works out for the, the safest thing. Cool. Okay. So that means you can carry on anyways while we haven't gone with All right, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, Craster and Marcus, you uh, walk up to the door as uh, Wilfred and Cicero start to make their way back um, to the centre of town. Um, Marcus, you knock on the door and a young lady uh, answers, dressed, in, dressed, dressed as a maid. Um, so you can assume that she's a maid, unless some weird stuff's going on inside the house. Um, and uh, she says, she says, yes, sir. Sorry, Sergeant Marcus Queenston here see, uh, to see, uh, see Mr. Crane. And yes. uh, it seems as though Mr. Crane may have been sort of like half hiding behind a door in the hallway. And as soon as he hears it, sure, he's, he, he runs out. He's like, Marcus! And like throws his hands up in the air. Like, oh, Sort of like comes to the door, and uh, just for just for everybody else, Jedediah Crane is a seven five, five foot seven uh, sort of gent in his in his mid forties. Uh, he his neck his hair is neatly kept, uh, greased back on one side. He's 
currently dressed in an evening jacket or sort of like what, what someone might have called a, a house coat, uh, I guess, back in the day. It has like a monogram of his of his initials on the on the uh, left hand breast of, of 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 the jacket, so you can tell he's a classy guy. Right. Um, and he uh, he comes up to the door and goes, "What what what brings you here?" Oh, uh, <laughs> it's good to see you. Uh, what's his name, Jedediah? Yeah, Jedediah. Good to see you, Jed. Um, we had a little bit of a uh, a couple of questions just about some of your lives down at the docks. Nothing uh nothing serious. Just wouldn't want you to be caught up in anything unsavory. You know how it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as he says, as he, as he just says, yeah, repeatedly to you, he's tapping his nose and like giving you a knowing, like, like nod at the same time. He says, well, you two fine gentlemen better come in. And, uh, and he sort of, he lets you into the house and uh, you two are brought in to the drawing room. Um, and uh, the drawing room is very, very nicely furnished. So you can see for like the last, maybe the last last couple of years, uh, old Jed has been doing pretty well in his legitimate business transactions. And uh, he's got he's got some very fine furniture. The, uh, the fire's roaring away in the background uh, in the hearth. And uh, he also has a very big gaudy self-portrait of himself hanging over the uh the fireplace so hanging over the mantelpiece and uh he gestures for you to sit on his his very nice sofa and he takes up his position in his in his high-backed uh red velvet chair and he says he, he looks looks to you marcus and goes so you wanted to ask me some questions then did you uh sergeant and he sort of like leans in and just sort of like gives you a big wink and uh, as, as, as if there's like I'm trying to wonder someone just got like mildly into into Marcus actually. Yeah, I mean, I think Crash would have been like looking at this and going like just low key like Are these two like an item. <laughs> and then uh, and then some, then uh, Marcus, you you accidentally kick a folder from underneath the chair and like a bunch of uh, Yowie pictures of you and <laughs> come out from underneath the chair. I mean, shit, Mark, maybe Mark is gay. I haven't really thought about it. Yeah. Um, I think it's one of those unspoken things where it'd be like, you know, we pull up with each other's like slightly dodgy jokes because we can't outwardly say anything. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's nice to be a little bit less uh, guarded, even if it is around a member of the uh, criminal, criminal um, element. Element, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like Jed. Jed has never had a problem with you ever. He, he clocked you straight away, and he's just like, yeah, "Mark, he's a cool guy." So uh, that's one of the reasons that you guys get on so well. He just accepts you for who you actually are. You don't necessarily have to pretend to be anything around him. Yeah, you know, actually, yeah, Mark really likes that. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's actually quite um, quite at ease. He's like, "Yeah, oh, you're all right, Jed. It's good to see you. You got um, got any of the old usuals?" And uh, he, he looks at you and. Uh, Pulls a little drawer on a table next to him and uh, and throws you over a, a tin. That's uh, when it lands, you know, it's sort of like you catch it and you have a look. It's got like a little label scrawled on it. It's got uh, it's got got fine Tibetan tobacco written on the label. In, good man, uh, good man. Mox is salivating. Like <laughs> good man, always a pleasure coming to see you, Jed. And uh, he, he looks at you again and goes, "So these questions, what what exactly do you want to know?" Well, firstly. Some of your lads were um, looking after stuff down at your docks. Now, I know that things just come through, you know, not always in your interest to check. But we've had some uh, some dealings with a company called 
I'm crap. A and S. And yeah, yeah. Jed Jed looks at you, and as soon as he hears you say that, he uh, he pauses. Um, I'm going to need you, uh, Marcus, to do a persuade roll. Persuade, all right. I'm going to persuade him. I might accidentally flex a little bit too hard as I, as I say this, just in case. Okay. Oh, I can't even push that. So, um, yeah, you need a 20. And you're yeah, three. 83. And uh, Jed looks at you, and you can see in his you can see in his eyes that maybe he wants to tell you something, but he's like, I can't help you there, Marcus. I'm sorry. Just can't help you there. Understandable, understandable. I, uh, I appreciate this is uh, sensitive stuff. So I appreciate you also taking the time to listen. All right, let's uh, let's change tactic here. How about if you can tell me maybe uh, when you started uh, working with these guys, when you started um, taking on their bits for them? Nothing about them, just when you started doing a you know new new work. And he 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 he, he looks at you again, and uh, he he just he just very. This is the first time you ever see him be very serious and matter of fact about anything, really. And he just looks at you and goes. If they find out I've spoken to you, they will kill me. Mark's gonna he's gonna look around first. Who's in the room with him at the moment? So it's just it's just you three. You, Craster, and Jed. Um Craster, would you mind grabbing me a having a quick chat with that scurry mate real quick? Uh, of of course. Uh, and he will uh, politely leave the room. Once Craster's gone, he's gonna look around, he's gonna lean forward and put his hand on um on Jed's uh I guess like fire his hand or something, something like you know, like a little, a little bit tender, like you know, look, Jed. Yeah. You and I have been through a lot together. You know, I won't let anything happen to you. But I need something, anything, and it won't come back to you. I promise. Can you can you do another persuade roll for me? God, I can, but it's probably going to be sucky. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to luck it. I'm going to luck it out. Yeah, so you need a twenty. It depends on how much you want this information, really, doesn't it? We need to. We're, we're stuck. All right, I'm gonna. Christ, I'm gonna lock it for ten. So, what's your luck at the moment? Forty-two. Forty-two, and you're taking ten off of that, so you'd be down to thirty-two, right? Yeah, we need that. We need the information. Okay. Plus, gonna... I think Jed's. You know, to Marcus, Jed's a, a dear friend, and he's worth it. Jed, Jed, Jed looks down at down at the hand that's uh, that's on his. Let's say you put you put his hand on his knee because you sort of like lent forward. If to go for his his thigh or even his hand, like you're really stretching at that point. It looks, but it would be very awkward. But you can just about reach his knee from where you're sitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he goes, "All right, this is all I can tell you. A month or so back, I had a man come to me asking if I'd be interested." in housing some goods and as he says goods he's doing like like air quotes yeah and he looks he looks at you and goes now look you know me i don't necessarily ask questions but uh this guy clearly looked like a middleman to me um he had he had like a like a whiskery mustache from what i remember uh and his eyes were always darting all over the place i didn't i didn't trust him i said i wanted to speak to his boss Set up a meeting. I met this guy on a dark night down at my yard. I couldn't really see him. He was standing in the shadows. Relatively tall chap, to be fair. They offered me a large cut of the profits of their business. I'm talking, oh, 
Marcus, I'm talking, you know, big money here. Yeah, we're 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 not we're not talking small change. Bigger than the uh, than the Westminster, uh, not Westminster. Bigger than the uh, the Sutton gig, mate. This makes the Sutton gig look like the Brighton gig, that and he just he just he just gives you like a nod at that point, sort of like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And so, um, he just finishes up by saying, "Look, I don't know what they're shipping. All I know is they come to my yard, they stick them in that little warehouse at the back, which you know is leaky." They're in right. there for a couple of days, and then they ship ship them straight out again from there. And, that's and no one else goes in or out; just your lads. Just, just my lads. Now, look, I can't let you in and really let you poke around, mate. But maybe the gate might be unlocked later on tonight, and uh, maybe there might be a few bits and pieces for you guys to have a look at. Maybe, of course. And he just sort of like leans back in his chair and uh, picks up a. Picks up a cigarette from his his little. Uh, he has like a little um, dish that sits next to him. Picks up a cigarette and a match. Lights it on the bottom of his shoe. Lights a cigarette and just starts puffing away. And he's just looking at you at the moment. He's not really. Um, he's not really. He doesn't seem upset with you, but he's just basically sort of like you know that's 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 basically what I can do. No, Marcus, is, Marcus is honestly yeah. appreciative. He knows that you know. As a legitimate businessman, Mark, Jeb is his words is bonds. If he tells him I'm not going to tell anybody, he shouldn't tell anybody. Telling Marcus is a uh, as a scratcher as a copper is quite a big deal. So he appreciates what he's done there, and he, he leans back and he also smokes. And I guess they're smoking, you know, like that easy, comfortable silence for a bit. They've been around each other long enough to be like, yeah, we should have a smoke and sit down. And I guess we'll find out if Crash has chat up this uh, scully meal or not. Yeah. So let's cut to uh, to to Crashster. You have managed to. Uh... They get the scullery made in the kitchen. I wouldn't exactly say pinned in a corner, but uh, God, what? She's she's she's, she's uh, I'm not that much. Music, she's uh, man. She's uh, she's sort of like by the stove that just happens to be in the corner, and you're just maybe happening to stand rather a little bit too close to her because you're still a little bit drunk. And uh, um, she looks I, a little. I, bit... I do not recall casting Crasher as an over-friendly drunk. Well, miserable, is, maybe. This is yeah, the story in Craster because she is a very fetching uh, scullery maid. How 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 is this conversation going down? Because we've all seen we've all seen the charm that Wilfred can turn on, but what's the charm that Craster can turn on? I think Craster was just going to ask for a cup of tea. Jesus <laughs> Christ, man! So. Uh, I'm, so, I'm sorry, you made me come off really rapey. I'm going completely the other direction, man. <laughs> no, 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 we can make no. this work. So you, want a, you want a tea, yeah? So, um, okay. Yeah, a cup of tea. I'll just sit down and have a chat with her about how long she's been this scullery maid here. You know, and what's the work like? Do people come and visit often? So uh, you, you ask her if, if, you can, uh, if she can make you a cup of tea. You seem to be standing again, as I say. But you're not like right up against her. You're not like like grinding up against her leg. Oh my god! What? Can I have a cup of tea, please? I mean, you're standing a few feet away from her. You know. You know we can assume that he's done that thing where you walk into a room and you lean nonchalantly against the door frame. Yeah, you're not being like super like up in her face or anything. He's obviously yeah, like you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, okay. So Crash has walked into the kitchen. He's leaning. It's a small well, kitchen. Um, if he's being crashed there, he's stealthed away and climbed up on something. He's now trying to talk to us. <laughs> oh, no, that's Cicero. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Crashed would try and climb something, fall off, and then... <laughs> <laughs> Smash all the plates. <laughs> no, no, no. That's his I was trying to pick a lock. I've, I, I've only failed to climb once, I think. Twice. 
So, um, right. <laughs> Cresta, you're in the kitchen. You're trying to be, uh, you're trying to be gentlemanly, but you seem to be sort of maybe coming off a little bit pervy. Uh, and this, this is literally just the amount of gin that you've managed to drink in the morning has, has slightly changed your personality. But, but the, 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 the young, the young lady, um, though she's a little bit nervous, she puts a, a kettle on the stove to boil, uh, gets out some cups and the two of you sit down at the little table in the kitchen, like a preparation table. And uh, as soon as the, the kettle finishes boiling, she pours it into the teapot, puts a cosy over it, and uh, the two of you sit down at the table. Uh, yeah, I'll ask her how long she's been a scullery maid for this gentleman and what, 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 what's it, it, it like. And, and again, try and steer the conversation. Does he have many visitors? Okay. She, uh, she conveys to you that... Uh, She's been she's been in in Mr. Crane's service for quite a few years since since she was a, actually quite a young girl. Um, she used to do odd jobs for him. She uh, she says the work's pretty pretty good. Um, she does a bit of everything, bit of cleaning, bit of cooking, and Mr. Crane is very uh, nice to her. Um, treats her more like a daughter than uh, really in in some situations than than a than a servant. And she's she's happy for that. It means that she feels comfortable and safe in his house. Yeah, Crestor, unfortunately, you've made her feel a little bit uncomfortable because you're now you're now just sort of sitting maybe with your legs slightly get to roll for any of these things. That'd be creepy. Yeah, can you can you roll for creepy for me? Can you just roll for creepy? It's like a charm, right? You can roll to be charming. Yeah, yeah, okay. I mean do you wanna do in fact actually yeah, just roll for charm. Oh, oh mate. Oh no. So so Crestor, you uh, you rolled for charm, you needed a forty, you rolled an eighty one. <laughs> You think you're being charming, but actually you've just got your legs slightly wide open and you're gently stroking your thigh. Okay, yeah. all right. No. Eye <laughs> contact with this young lady. Okay. <laughs> I, I would like to maintain with my... Wait, wait, what the fuck is it? <laughs> I just meant more like he was just like nowhere near as suave as he thinks he is. Not like, yeah, I mean, he's with like my seventy, I'm pretty sure I don't damn near jack off in front of a girl. <laughs> Fucking hell! So you, uh, as, as as you're sort of like rubbing your leg, she she thinks that maybe your leg's injured because you're giving a really intense stare, and she asks, and she's like, "Are you are you in pain there, sir? You seem to be stroking your leg quite a bit." Wait, is she is she that dumb? <laughs> uh, I had a bit of a fall. Yeah, quite bruised up. Like, nothing to worry about. Nothing. To, nothing to, um, a nice cup of tea won't settle eventually. Yeah, and uh, and and at that point, you decide to take the cozy off and like pour her tea and pour your own tea because you've realised you've been stroking your leg and maybe things might have been a bit crossed there, and you want to try and defuse the situation by playing mother and pouring tea. I'm not sure I trust you. I'm not sure you trust me not to think that Crass is now trying to put a fucking roofie in her tea or something. No, no, you're just literally pouring tea. You're just pouring tea. That's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Is that a euphemism uh, for something? Well, no. <laughs> um, when it comes to the question of whether people come to the house, um, you can see that this young lady seems to look at I wouldn't necessarily say nervous at this point, but hesitant to answer your question. So could you actually do a persuade role for me, Craster? I think you're better than I did. Not with my persuade score, it's not gonna. Come on, you've got to believe. 
Oh, look at that. Yeah, I do. Wow. Now, fucking hey. You needed a 40, you got a six, which is an extreme success. In the least rapiest way possible. Oh, God. You lean forwards on the table and and gently place your hand on top of hers and uh, and and like look at her like directly in her eyes, but but you're like conveying pure kindness, like pure sincerity to her. Like for for you you, you could say you're at this point almost smouldering when you ask her when you ask her the question again of does anyone come to the house? And you can see that her cheeks flush slightly, and she looks at you and goes. And, and and says, a few weeks back, we had a very tall man come to the house. Um, he stayed outside, though, and I could hear, hear Mr. Crane talking to him, but I couldn't hear the conversation, if that's what you're asking. And uh, Big Barry. No, it's, it's Balthazar. <laughs> no, it's <Balthazar>. <laughs> <laughs> I miss Big Barry. <laughs> Everyone misses Big Barry. Yeah. Let's just all take a moment to remember Big Barry and the sacrifice that he made. Maybe with a montage and some sad music. I mean, we only saw him do like three things, which was threaten Wilfred and then get shot for us. Yep. And those are very important things. Who hasn't threatened me at this point? That's true. That's true. Craster. Craster has not threatened Uh, you. Yeah, okay. Craster's my friend. Screw all of you. Mark was definitely threatened like, a couple of times. I feel like Cicero's the one that should be saying that. Who hasn't threatened him by this point? For Cicero, but he's just like... Rasta hasn't threatened anybody. Because <laughs> his intimidation score is way too low to ever try. <laughs> but, we, but we have now realised that Cresta gets a little bit a little bit full on when he gets a little bit drunk, maybe. <laughs> Cresta stays drunk a long time. I mean, he okay, had a lot has to get... Crash has several mugs of gym to get this bad, and apparently even then he's managed to turn it the fuck off because <laughs> Jesus Christ, he is not Lupin. He is. You. You are the. You. you well, I mean, you know. You I don't think he's nearly as suave as Lupin, despite what he might think. Yeah. And uh, and 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 after that, she sort of the 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 young the young maid sort of like looks down at her sort of like apron into her lap and is just sort of like slowly drinking her tea. Your hand still placed on top of hers on the table, and uh, we're going to cut back to um, Wilfred and Cicero, who have now made their way back into town. Uh, what did you two want to do? Keep an eye on Cicero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a child. Yes, you are. Considering <laughs> well, you keep trying to sneak away, <laughs> have they invented those like leashes for people yet? What like, with like the back around? <laughs> I don't think those exist, but you could probably like buy some rope and just tie it. I to feel you. like I feel like I, you would just. I, be... I'm pretty sure at this time period that there were leashes for people. Yes. Um, feel, can we not call it a leash because that has strange connotations, especially when it's a couple. Only if you're thinking that way. Yeah. What are you thinking of, George? Yeah. We're just, just this is just an innocent person looking after a senile old coot. Yeah. <laughs> how how are you? How are you tying this on? You're going to be tying it on like a, like it's a. No, it's fine. I won't leash him up. Oh, walking down the high street with leashing. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I've got to do this then. If we've got time to do stuff. Yes. Oh fucking hell! Is there oh. anything I can do to try and counter that, or has it just happened? Um, Wilfred, you are just minding your own business, walking down North End, uh, back towards Surrey Street. 
uh, one minute Cicero standing next to you, and the next minute, because of his successful stealth roll, uh, <laughs> a 20 and rolling a 16, you catch him ducking off down an alleyway that, uh, that like, leads off behind some, uh, behind some shops, and you're like, oh, for fuck's sake. And uh, I'm guessing, uh, I'm assuming you'll probably make chase after him. Actually, no, you know what? I don't really care. Oh God! Oh, okay. <laughs> what? We think you can lie on him. They're like, yeah, fuck it, whatever. Well, yeah, when it's easy, now it's difficult, and then, nah. Well, now there's running involved, then that's yeah. you out. I'm out. Yeah. Uh, there's more um, important things to worry about. I feel like getting information on this warehouse is more important than babysitting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you just carry on walking. You just look at him and go, "Oh, what?" And just carry yeah, on. Got, there he goes. Problem now. <laughs> um, Cicero, you um, you sort of make your way down this alleyway onto onto a, a main road, if you like, and um, hit by a carriage. <laughs> well, there are carriages going up and down the road, but you can see uh, what looks to be like a rather nice house, and you like it quite a bit. And there's like lots of shrubbery and stuff in the garden. Yeah. Um, what would you like to do? Go Bring in. Shrubbery. You're gonna go go into the garden. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're gonna what? You, you, what, what are you gonna do in the garden? <laughs> I, you see, my first instinct is to take a dump. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Wow. <laughs> but I probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> no, you probably shouldn't. Cicero Scott under his trousers and then thinks better of it and pulls him back up again. <laughs> Um, so what, what is this house? Is it just, just a nice house? Or... Yeah, it's just, it's just a house. It's just thought. a nice house. You just looked nice. at it and you've gone like, this house is really nice. And you're just Ooh. sort of standing in their front garden at the moment. Which, Debating uh, whether to poo or not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, when you got to go, you got to go. <laughs> um, going to do? <laughs> no, 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 that's not what I'm actually going to do. Come on. Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, if, it's, if it's a nice house... Um, I suppose I, I would like. Is it fenced off, or, or what is it? Just an open garden? I mean, it's like a it's like a old Victorian townhouse, really, and you're already right. front garden. So, is there someone nearby that I can ask uh, who lives there? Um, I mean, there's people walking up and down the street that seem to be giving you funny looks because they sort of saw you starting to undo your belt on your trousers. Uh, adjusting my fly. <laughs> All right, I'm going to wait until about two or three minutes has passed, and yep. that anyone that might have seen me has gone. Yeah. And then I'll ask someone. Okay. Is that, so you're, just, yeah? you're just awkwardly standing in this person's garden, just sort of like tightly grasping your belt because you haven't yet done it back up again yet. And uh, <laughs> as you're glancing around, you see the curtain in the house move slightly, uh, as if someone maybe has been watching you from inside. Going to uh, wave at them. You're just going to wave at the window I'm just going to wave at them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. As you're waving, you can... You, you hear like a slide, like, like something sliding, maybe like a window or something. But um, it seems to be coming from like the basement level. Um, this townhouse from the garden, there is like a sliding sound that uh, seems to be coming from like lower down. And as you sort of like glance over, you can see there's actually a staircase, like a concrete staircase that leads down to like a basement level for this townhouse. Uh, are you going to go and investigate where that sound came from, or are you just going to carry on standing in the front garden? So there's no there's no markings on this house. Is it just like 
regular house. Um, now, I would ask someone walking walking by, who lives here? Just, just any old any old Joe. Uh, a guy, sort of like a dusty old uh, threadbare jacket and a and a torn uh, flat cap, walks yep. past you on the street. Excuse me, mate. You, who lives here? And uh, the guy looks up at you and goes, "I don't know no one that lives there, sir. No, I don't." And then just carries on. That's how good that was, wasn't it? Um, while you while you said that, and you just sort of like, "Come on!" Useless. <laughs> With like your hands out, and as you've done, like your trousers have dropped around your ankles. Um, <laughs> you uh, feel a short, sharp pain in the back of your head, and then everything goes black. Oh. Wilfred, you yep. have now made it to Surrey Street, and uh, you can see that the two guys that were in the pub talking about the people that have gone missing are actually now working a stall. They get they're sort of like restocking it with bits and pieces off of a cart. Um, okay, I'll ask them some questions. Absolutely. Um, is this cart in view of the warehouse, the AS warehouse? No. Ah, oh, okay. Uh, oh no, yeah, I'll just wander over and be like, oh. afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, Wilfred Abernathy. What, I can't remember the name of my paper. Uh, some newspaper. Yeah, I work for I work for a <laughs> newspaper. Uh, I overheard you talking in the dog and ball. Dog and ball. Yep. Dog and ball. Yeah, I overheard you talking in there about uh, you felt uh, us journalists weren't giving certain issues enough time in print. Would you care to elaborate any further on those? Uh, the uh, the younger of the two um, stops working momentarily while the the older gent carries on. And just says, "So you're you're a journalist, then, right?" I am. I've got a little notepad and paper and everything. Lots of people have little notepads and paper, mate. And uh, he right, starts right. like he starts like stacking some more boxes of apples. Ah, do you want my help or not? <laughs> and uh, he stops for a second. And uh, he picks up one of the apples out of the out of the box, and sort of like takes a bite out of it, and looks at you and goes, "How, how can you help us? We don't know who you are. You've just come up to us saying you're a you're a journalist, mate." And he's like crunching down this apple. You got no idea of our problems around here, and just like carries on eating. I'm just very sarcastic. Like, yes, that's why I'm here. Can you? Um, can you do a, a fast talk then? Because that sounds like you're being sarcastic. And if you fail, he may throw an apple at your face. <laughs> fast talk. Nailed it. Just. Pow. Pow. Only just, though. Oh, He's yeah. He's a 60, got a 58. Um, he looks at you and smirks and goes, you're all right, son. What's your name? Uh, Wilfred. Wilfred Abernathy. He goes, all right, now, Wilfred. Uh, my name is... Uh, is Donald, and uh, yeah, you say you overheard us in the pub. What, what did you overhear exactly? I just heard two chaps who are maybe sick of the way things have gone recently, discussing some issues that weren't being given, that weren't people weren't talking about enough about missing people. Um, uh, for, for a second, until you mentioned missing people, he was looking at you with a sight, sort of like possibly worried look in his eye. So you <laughs> start to wonder what other things he's been talking about in the pub. But then he just sort of like nods and goes, and goes, uh, oh yeah, yeah, they're missing lasses and lads, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if you wanna, if you wanna 
I guess it would be an interview. Oh, am I going to be famous? Am I going to, I'm going to be in the paper, aren't I? I'm going to be famous. And he sort of like stands up right a bit and like straightens his uh, his jacket and uh, and sort of like looks at you with his with like his his back sort of straightened and his shoulders back. And he goes and he's got his apple and he's like, "Ask away, then, there, dear Wilfred." And then carries on eating his apple. Groovy. Uh, what do we want to know? So these missing people. How many people have gone missing? Uh, we've had about six or seven go missing in the last month. Six or seven in a month. That's quite a lot. Okay. Uh, you said lads, lasses, there's no kind of pattern to it? Uh, it seems to be more more lasses go missing than, than the lads. We've only had two boys uh, get taken, but they're all relatively young, you know. All sort of the same age? Uh, I mean, I knew I knew of a couple of them by family name. They weren't they weren't very old, and they were about the same age. So uh, so yeah, you know, talking about six, 16, 15, something like that. Okay. What about where they're taken from? Ah, oh, anywhere and everywhere, mate. Croydon seems to be a hotbed of it at the moment. Okay. Uh, Has there been any kind of findings with them? Any the police have any leads? Police. Ah, oh, police don't know what they're doing, mate. They don't know what they're doing. They've been looking for these, for these, these kids for ages, and there's just there's nothing. They seem completely useless. Completely useless. And the papers, oh, the papers, they don't help. They don't, they don't report it. No one's interested in us. They're all interested in Whitechapel and them oars. And he, oh. uh, and and he's eating this apple, and he's got down to the core, and he just sort of like eats the core as well. Nice. Well, hopefully I can fix that for you. If you give me enough information here, I'm sure I can make a story out of it. Sorry, wait, hold on. That's disgusting. What do you mean, nice? <laughs> just ate the core of an apple. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I'm just going to let that go. Ugh. He left it until he got down, like, you know, at the bottom, that looks like a little that looks like a little chocolate starfish. He waited to that, and he turns it around, like, kisses it, and then throws it in his mouth. Oh, now it's getting really weird. What's with all yeah, these that... weirdos living in? <laughs> That is a bit odd, but I'm going to just not fly past it because, again... Yeah, yeah, I have. Nobody kisses an apple like a chocolate starfish and then pops it in their mouth. As as anyway, sorry. I let's just something. carry on. Um, I'll sort of... Oh, uh, that looked delicious. Can I buy an apple? And uh, he looks at you and goes, and goes, five pence, mate. Yeah, fine. I'll just... Uh, that happens. I give him five pence and have an apple now. Cool. I'm going to save it. I'll do like the wiping it on the jacket and then put it in pocket. I'll probably okay. throw it at Cicero later. Now we know what hit him on the back of the head. <laughs> so we know rough age group. Don't know if the from all over. Both boys and girls. Police are useless. Uh, is there anything else you can tell me? Has there been any kind of links to anything? Has anyone said anything? And nothing, nothing's really being said on the streets about the kids. We've had murmurs of this new lot moving into uh, Crane's warehouse just down there. Um, he's only got a little yard. He's a bit of a dodgy customer, if you ask me. But that's the only new thing that's going on. Seems to be a bit coincidental that this lot moved in, and then a few weeks later, the first last were missing. But I don't think it's connected in any way. You see anything from the lot over at Crane's? Anything weird about them? Or just the fact that they've turned up? Ah. Uh... I mean, I was down here a couple of nights ago, quite late, and I saw a couple of them walking around. Relatively shifty, they were wearing robes, like 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 scabby scabby clothes. You know what I mean? Like the sort of thing you get off the rag and bone man. 
Oh yeah, what time of night was that? Oh, I want to say it was about about midnight. Hmm. Okay, that could actually be very useful. Okay, I'm gonna just sort of thank him for his time. I'll get his name and promise him that you know I'll have a word with the editor, see if I can get you in the paper, boy, make you famous. But uh, yeah, I want to head towards the warehouse again and just see if there's any of those markings around it. Yeah. Okay. Um, the house is had. Yeah. Uh, Donald like a uh, tips his cap to you and uh, carries on stacking the apples on the stall. And uh, you make your way off back down towards that alleyway. Um, you can see that the, the this this yard is still the, the the gate's still closed. You have a quick peek through the the gaps in the in the wooden planks, and you can see that the those four that you met earlier on are still there, um, even though it's getting close to uh, to six o'clock in the evening now. Doesn't seem to be anything there other than the brands on those crates there's nothing there's no symbols or anything in the area okay i think i've probably got what i want out of this or oh, i'm not going to get any more uh i should probably go and try and track down cicero okay well you wander back up towards uh north end where you last saw him make your way off down the alleyway that cicero went down um we're going to cut back to Marcus and Cresta. Marcus, you have actually been really enjoying your time catching up with uh, Jed. And without realising, um, quite a few hours have passed. In fact, it's actually quite late in the evening now. It's getting close to, to 8 o'clock. And you haven't heard back from Cicero or Wilfred. And uh, you haven't actually had an evening meal. And your stomach starts to grumble a bit. And uh, Jed looks up at you and goes, Marcus, you've been here for a few hours now. You haven't anything to eat? Do you want? Uh, do you want us to rustle up some stew, mutton stew? You know what? I should probably find the other lads. We've been uh, investigating this whole thing. Don't worry. Like I said, we'll keep you out of it. But uh, without, without being, without being a, uh... hang on, sorry. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, it's probably the best. I'll tell you what, though. I'll have what? What do we call the scurry maid? What's her name? Uh, we didn't get a name. Um, her name is. Jane. Okay. Tell you what, though. I have young Jane rocks up a couple of sandwiches, and uh, we'll be out of your hair. Oh, not a problem there, Marcus. Not a problem. And uh, Jed gets up and uh, sort of sees you into the hallway, and you both make your way out to the kitchen, where uh, where Cresta, you're now actually napping in one of the chairs in the corner of the kitchen, and uh, Jane is just pottering away, cleaning bits and pieces up. Jed walks up to her, sort of as a little short conversation with her, she points over to Craster, who is, you know, out, you know, out cold napping in the corner, and, uh, <laughs> and and Jed sort of like gives him a bit of a like a mm, really sort of look, and then uh, you can see he's asking her to make some sandwiches, and she sort of goes off to the pantry, and then comes back with a big block of cheese and some lovely um, bread and some pickles, and she just starts making you guys a couple of sandwiches. Uh, well, actually, a few sandwiches because there's uh... and four of us. Yeah, I'm gonna nudge Craster. Well, before I nudge Craster, actually, I'll say uh, to Jed, out of earshot of Jane as well. I say, so tonight, yeah, door might be open. And he uh, he looks at you and goes, swing round about uh, about midnight. Should be all right. All right, good man. I'm having some of this, by the way. And he takes a couple more cigarettes, like cheekily. 
and then like gives gives Crasher a shake. <laughs> how 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 uh, how are you shaking him? Is it just a sort of like a gentle shake? Or are you just grabbing him by the shoulders and like violently shaking him in the chair? Well, I, I don't know. I've come in. I've seen Jane looks unperturbed. I guess I don't think it, it doesn't look like he like tried anything. So I guess I give him like a, a gentle shake. Yeah, he hasn't embarrassed me, so it's fine. Okay. Um, you shake Crasher. Crasher, you going to wake up? Um. Nah, hell no. Let's make this work for this. <laughs> so, uh, Marcus, you uh, you shake you shake Cresta, and uh, doesn't seem to be waking up at all. Uh, do you want uh, to shake him maybe a little bit harder and possibly? No, it, it, it's fine. Jane, would you just pass me a glass of water? <laughs> and, uh, and and Jane Jane uh, goes oh, okay, and uh, gets you gets you a glass of water and hands it to you. All right, good lass. Just straight like without even turning around, just dashed it in Cresta's face. <laughs> Uh, Crest, are you going to wake up now? <laughs> I want to say no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm really sure you wake up what for that. What was in the tea? How are you so out cold? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that would actually wake him up. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to look at his lips and go, water, you fucking <laughs> I, I feel like maybe because of where he's thrown the water, I, I, I would have said you would have thrown it in his crotch, and he's just woken up and gone. Oh, sore of myself no, again. If I ever throw water in anyone, it's gonna be straight in the face every time. Straight in the face. <laughs> Any water I can find, straight in the face. Gosh. <laughs> um, Feeling awake now, Cresta? Not really. No. Well, we've got we got to beat feet, so uh, trying to uh, try and drag himself out. There. We got to beat feet, so try and drag yourself out, eh? He'll, he'll get into a Just go to Jane. Lovely talking with you, my dear. And <laughs> Didn't he come um, in, have five words and fall asleep in the chair? Pretty much. <laughs> that's a lovely, that's a lovely <laughs> afternoon. And he's going to go to, um, I've forgotten the guy's name, the owner yeah. of the house. Lovely home you have and wonderful staff. And uh, Jed, Jed uh, rather enthusiastically shakes your hand and says, well, very nice to meet you, uh, Meet you, Crasta. Very nice to meet you indeed. And uh, he hands um, Marcus uh, two parcels of sandwiches. Just goes, there you go, mate. And he just leans in again and goes, remember, midnight, yeah? All right. Cheers, Jed. We'll, uh, we'll go down for a bit of footy sometime when it's all over. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good to me. And um, with that, you two... Uh, seen out by Jane, um, and as Jane opens the door, you see Wilfred. She's standing out on the street, looking a little bit worried and, and looking around. What are you three going to do, Wilfred? What are you What are you doing here? Um, well, now, first of all, don't be mad. I need you to promise me you're not going to get angry. Like, quickly scan the street. Where's Where's Cicero? Yeah, yeah. Well, he kind of got away from me. Oh, bloody hell, man. You had one job. He's a spry old thing. Ugh. I looked away for a second, and there he was. I saw him nip down an alley, and no idea where he went from there. All right, look, we've got till midnight before uh, circumstances will align themselves to our favour. We've got to find him firsthand. Absolutely. I'll take, yeah, okay. I'll where did you last see him? Uh, it was down an alley just off of the name of that street, which I can't remember. Sorry, Street. Oh, sorry, Street. No, no, you, 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 you lost him at North End. Okay. Oh, Christ. That's, yeah, it. that's, that's massive. Yep. So Cicero ran off down there and is maybe wandering around 
still probably smelling of piss because that. Oh God! Am I right to say that he went down somewhere and just had a shit down alley? Am I? Am, have I got that wrong? Well, no, he ran off this way, and then he nipped down the alley, and I gave chase as best I could, but he must have ducked into somewhere and got away from me. Right. Great. Fantastic. Let's go down this alley looking for Cicero. I mean, he, he can't do that, but he's a professor. It's... <laughs> 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 I don't know if it's you know, too early no, to make jokes about professors and alleys, but all right. I thought you'd know me a little bit better than that by now. <laughs> I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt and trying to defend myself for losing you. It takes you about 15 minutes to get down to, to this particular alleyway from where you are, 15, 20 minutes. And uh, you make your way down and you start walking down, down the street and uh, you're looking around and you can't really see him anywhere. And you stop outside this, um, this quite fine house that's on the street. It's got some shrubbery in the garden. Mm. And uh, you take a look around and you, you, you have a little peer into the garden just in case he's hiding in the bushes. But um, no, he's not there. a big man-sized turd in the bushes. Um, <laughs> yeah, this place seems like prime Cicero bait. Can you, uh, can, you, can you three all do a spot hidden for me? Oh, God. Spot it's not prime. I mean, there's no ladies' underwear here. Oh, God. <laughs> there was a washing line with some underwear on it, maybe. So, Wilfred failed. <laughs> Marcus succeeded. Craster? He's trying to find if I catch If I catch him oh going through some... Oh, 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 wow, oh, 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 I know everything that's ever happened in that garden. Uh, <laughs> Marcus, you needed a 50, you got a 33. So, you have a look at this house in the garden. You can see that the curtains moved. Uh, so as if someone might have been looking at you through the curtain or, or like part of the curtains to have a look, um, they appear to be drawn, which is a little bit strange. Well, I say it's a little bit strange. It's now about half eight, uh, getting on for nine o'clock in the evening. Craster, you needed a 25 and you rolled a one. That's a critical success. You can see in the garden that there appears to be some drag marks that lead down to what looks to be some sort of staircase or something. Uh, at the back of the front garden that's up against the house. So there must be a basement to this house. But it's not obvious that it was like a person or anything that was drug, drug, dragged, dragged? Yeah. Dragged, yeah. Drag. Yeah. yeah. Drug. <laughs> drug. No, it's not that. Well, maybe. Uh, the, the, it doesn't matter. Taken. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, check out Mr. Thesaurus here and his other words. Yeah. Look, look, can we stop discussing Liam Neeson films to get more disappointed with every sequel? It, it doesn't obviously look like a person has been dragged back, but it seems to be the only thing you've got going at the moment. Uh, it's a little bit unusual, but again, someone might have been just been dragging uh, a sack down to the basement. So, But what you do notice, one last thing, there looks to be maybe, just maybe, a speck of blood on the wall. But again, it's not... The pieces are kind of some pieces there, but they don't necessarily connect to. Oh my God! Someone's kidnapped our crazy old man. Hmm. What would you three like to do? I'd like to say, Oh my God! Someone's kidnapped our crazy old man. <laughs> 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 oh my God! We have to go and get him. <laughs> I feel like at this point you'd all no. be having some sort of ethical conversation as to like, do we actually? Is he really worth it? No, come on. We can take this as a win. Marcus is going to leave Wilfred to uh, crash the Cicero to his own devices. And if he's been, if he's in danger, he's still a copper. It's his job to find him. Um, 
Crafter will probably point out all the things he's noticed and just say, none of this says anything bad really happened here, but I think this might be a good place to start. And um, given I'm in these people's front yard, can I um, stealth and try and get closer up to the house? Yep. Come on, something I'm good at. Wow. Crafter's on the wall. Needed a 70, got a 25. Crafter, you... um... You sort of like stealthily do like a pirouette spin through the garden gate onto your knees and like combat roll across the grass to where the blood speck was and uh, like sort of like get up and like onto your knees and then back up against the wall, the wall of, of the house. And you can now see down the staircase. I mean, it does actually seem to lead down to a basement and uh, you sort of like, are you going to go down, in, go down toward down there? Are you going to go down these steps or are you going to stay where oh, you are? Oh, hell yes. I'm going to go down the steps. You're going to go down the steps, but you're going to do it in a way where your legs are still bent. So you're sort of like, you're really low oh, down, yeah. like pressed against the wall. While this is yeah. going on, like Marcus and Wilfred, like one minute Crest was standing next to you, the next minute he's doing like the craziest, like coolest thing you've ever seen in your life. And, <laughs> uh, and you're like, well, you know. I, admit, I feel that it just draws more attention to him and that he just walks up, might have actually been more stealthy, but hey, fuck it. He combat rolled through the garden. And uh, you guys sort of like, you two sort of like turn away and just start whistling as if to draw attention away from something that may be happening in the garden. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to tend to just go knock on the front door. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go knock on the front door. Crest, like you've, now, you've now made your way to the bottom of the staircase and you can see Wilfred just walking up, to, like nonchalantly <laughs> walking up to the front door. And uh, Wilfred, you, uh, you, are you going to give it a, a, a firm knock or are you just going to do like a gentle sort of like a... Just like a gentle sort of like, yoo-hoo. You're just gonna get out, get out your little handkerchief and be like, "Yoo-hoo!" and just wave it. That's like a you know, a polite, a polite sort of nice little gentle knock. Yeah, just a gentle knock. And uh, uh, Crest, you're still sort of like, like in full ninja sort of pose at the bottom of these stairs, like looking up, like with like maybe a little bit of sweat now running down the side of your face. Because he's getting like, you feel like this is really intense. I feel, um, like, this, I feel like all the water in Crash's face has really helped him to like get better at stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't, don't want to say that like he was doing bad before, but two splashes of water and he's rolling like a genius. No, no, no. What you've got to understand is Crash is actually a drunken master. <laughs> yeah, he, Kratz, he Kratz, needs to be this plastered to be good at stuff. You're like, uh, you're like, you're like uh, Master Roshi when he dresses up like Jackie Chan in Dragon Ball. You've got all the skills, man. Plus, you're really great at disguises. And karaoke. And karaoke, yep. Wilfred, after about 20 seconds, you hear someone come to the door, and the latch opens, and a uh, a sort of relatively finely dressed butler is standing before you, and he goes, yes? Uh, Good evening. I'm looking for the master of the house. I'm from... I need to find a name for my paper. Um, I'm from that, that paper... And morning star. Yes. You're from that famous paper. I see. The master of the house is not in at the moment. May I help you with your inquiries, sir? Well, I'm investigating the string of missing peoples around the area, and I was wondering if your master, or if, in fact, mistress, were around to assist in any way possible. Might I ask uh, who does live here, actually? I'm actually doing a door to door. I'm sorry, sir. Can you decide what you're actually doing? Perturbed yeah, and uncertain of your actions. Are you planning to rob our home? <laughs> Are we just watching from <laughs> up the street? 
while this is happening, by the way, Craster, you're still down like the bottom, like like now starting to sort of like breathe a little bit heavier. And uh, and Marcus, you're literally just staying on the street, like what the fuck am I watching? Yeah, I'm just like, what's happening? I guess I'm gonna look around for any more signs. I'll just be like looking around for any more signs of um of Cicero. But yeah, for the moment. Yep. Um, <laughs> Wilfred, what is your response to the to the man's question? <laughs> Punch it! No. <laughs> um, like I'm doing a door to door, gathering information. If anyone has seen or heard anything about the recent string of missing persons. Um, seeing as your master and mistress isn't home at the moment, could I get a name to come back later? And uh, he, he, he looks at you and goes, Oh no! Missing persons, you say? Just like heavily breathes. <laughs> that sounds awful. Awful. I will help oh, you as are. best I can, <laughs> sir. Ask about Leviosa. Is it Leviosa, by the way? Yes. How would you pronounce that? Is this... Livio saw. <laughs> this goes on for a few minutes. We <laughs> <laughs> appear to have now broken the butler, and he's just standing there, just making that sound. Cool. Uh, can I like wave my hand in front of his face and like flick the fingers, see if he's compos mentis? Yep, yep. You do all of that, and he just seems broken. Can I just gently move? If he seems broken, let's just, let's just like yeah, push him past and walk in. Wilfred, you uh, you uh, gently move the man to the side, and uh, Marcus, you join him at the door, and uh, the two of you make your way into the house. Um, Worked every time, Queenston. I don't understand how that. I'm gonna snap my finger from this guy's eyes. Okay, I all right. <laughs> completely broken. Just this guy. Is this, is this how Crasto like breaks into like rich people's houses normally, just by like breaking the help? That's one way to put it. It's certainly Crash not by climbing through anything. Yeah, we're chatting them up. Yeah. Have <laughs> oh, you, um, you joined them at the top of the stairs now after realising that they got in, or are you still sort of like stealthing at the Oh, bottom? hell no. I'm going to try and pick the lock and get in downstairs. They've distracted him that much. I'm like, I'm thinking, fucking hell, I could fail this like three times and still get in. Okay. Um, so just quickly, Wilfred and Marcus, you're in the house, and you can see um, it's actually relatively dark in there. And it doesn't seem to be a lot of furniture. Um, there's a staircase that leads up to the first floor. There is a room. There are two rooms. Uh, the closest one to you, the door is closed. Uh, the next one along the door appears to be open. And then a corridor uh, that you're standing in. So let's, let's imagine this is the opening hallway. Um, leads straight out to what appears to be a kitchen at the back. So that's where you are. Craster, you have made your way to the outside basement door and mm -hmm. uh, you're going to pick the lock, correct? Well, no, I'm going to try it to make sure it's not open first so I'd save myself the embarrassment of locking the door. <laughs> okay, um, you rattle the door handle and it's definitely locked. Right, oh. Are we the other side of this door? Can we hear him attempting to pick it? I mean, like, wait, just give him a minute to see if he can do it. Um, yeah, you 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 two are sort of like in the house at the moment, and you've probably closed the door behind you, so um, people don't wonder why there's a broken butler. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna push it because what happens is I break my lock picks and have to sneak up and get another set of lock picks. What happens if somebody hears you doing? Oh, it? you naive person! Yeah, that's, that's not the worst <laughs> that happens. So just quickly, Crest, you needed a fifty. You rolled an eighty-four, and you're gonna push the roll. So uh, off you go. Yeah, I'm about to shatter the lock and my pick. Oh my oh, god! No, I'm not. What? No, I'm actually going to pick a fucking lock for once. Yeah, because Crasher hey. is. Oh, I told face. you, it's having all the. I throw water in his face and see what happens. 
Um, <laughs> as soon as you're, you're there by the door, with a glass drunk, of water you ready. Me up too much. <laughs> on your on your pushed roll, you needed a fifty, and you got a sixteen, which is a hard success. So that's a very good uh, percentage on on that. And uh, you um, you you successfully unlock the door, and it swings open, and you are in a very dark basement. Um, are you going to go in? Of course. Okay, you venture into the basement, and I'm guessing you need to close the door behind you, are you? Yes, gently. Okay, okay you gently close the door behind you, and uh, as I said, it's very dark in the basement. Do you have a lighter or any matches? I have a lantern, don't I? A lantern? Well, I've got, I've got a lighter. I've got, always got a lighter to him anyway. Yeah, but you're, you, you two are upstairs. You don't know that he's in the basement. Oh, that's true, actually, yeah. I've got, I've got the, I've got one of the electric lanterns you gave us a couple of sessions ago to go. Oh yeah, okay. Like... You still, you still got the torch. Okay. Um, you pull the torch out of your pocket and you flick it on, and what you see is a room full of ASCO crates. Hmm. And uh, are you going to stand up at this point? Or are you still crouched down? By the way, am I aware of anyone else in the room with me? Uh, there doesn't appear to be any sounds. I'm going to stand up and look around. Okay, as you stand up and start moving the torch around the um, around the basement, um, you see that one of the lids is slightly up on one of the crates over in the corner. It seems to be maybe like someone's either just quickly lifted a lid and thrown something in there, or has been trying to pack something away and had to get called away. Um, do you want to go over and investigate this crate? Hell yeah. Okay, you make your way over to the crate and you shine the torch down and lift up the lid and reveal that Marcus and Wilfred are now in the corridor upstairs in the in the main part of the house. Uh, you guys have a few rooms and a staircase. The butler is still standing at the door. Uh, uh, what would you two like to do? I think we should split up and cover as much ground as possible. Yeah. We don't know at what point this guy is going to snap back to reality. Okay. Yeah, I mean, should we should we handle this guy? Like, we don't know if we could. I don't like to knock him out, but if he's not gonna be at this point, I think knocking him out might be a mercy. Uh, then again, though, if he doesn't, if he hasn't seen us, if he's for some reason caught in this loop and he hasn't seen us, we can get or find out what's going on with Wolfred, um, sorry, Cicero, and then get out before it becomes an issue. Somebody comes home and finds their butler clocked out might be more of a problem. True. Maybe he's prone to these kinds of episodes. Maybe we just move him somewhere a bit less visible. Yeah, we close the door and like sit him in a chair off the yeah. side. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, the door's already closed. The front door's already closed, I should say. And the butler's just sort of like standing in the corridor making this sound. When you go to move him, he's completely rigid, oh. as if he's literally stuck. Is he still making a noise? Yeah, he's still making a noise. All right. I don't have time to worry about why this guy's like this. So we're just going to just like. Push him into a room cupboard or something. Okay. Um, you drag him along and uh, there's a cupboard underneath the stairs and you sort of like throw him in the cupboard underneath the stairs. Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> and uh, he's still making a sound. And there's fortunately there's a lock on the outside of the door, which is a little bit strange, but you throw him in there and then lock the uh, lock him in, basically. Yeah, um, good. And you've got, um, you're standing in, as I say, a dark hallway. There doesn't appear to be any lights on in this place. It's not very well furnished. There's there's like a really old raggedy rug on the floor that looks like it's been there for the best part of 50 years and it's probably never been cleaned. You have a closed door just in front of you and then a little way along, there's an open door and then further along down this down this hallway, there's the kitchen. Where would you guys like to go first? 
Mm. Take the closest room and yeah. clear out room by room. Are we going together or are we splitting up? Let's go together just in case. If this seems fishy. Actually, no, if we just can check the rooms, we'll split up. We'll get them faster. I'll check this closed one. You check the open one. Yeah, I'll check the next one along. Yeah. Okay. You check the door that's in front of you, Marcus, and it is locked. It doesn't appear to be open at all. And it's also, it feels pretty um, solid. So it feels like maybe there's some extra bolts and stuff on the other side of the door, on the mm. inside. Wilfred. Does it seem like, does it seem like it's, been like, it's been opened recently? Is it like dusty or anything? It's in the house, isn't it? No, it looks like maybe this door probably hasn't been open for a while. So um, there's definitely some dust build up around the edges of the of the door frame where it connects to the door, but right, there's no break. So it looks like it's been closed for a long time. Not so sure here then. Wilfred, you peer into the uh, open room, and it's a it's like a sitting room, I guess. There's a very very old, and when I say old, like it's a sofa design and style that you've never seen before. Um, sofa sitting in this room with an unlit fireplace and there is like a thick layer of dust and like cobwebs caked on everything that's in this room so there's like a vase with like some really dead borderline mummified flowers in it um, that are just covered in dust and everything and the curtains are are all grotty and dusted over and uh, it doesn't look, you can even see on the floor that there's dust, there doesn't appear to be any footprints in the dust at all, it's just it looks like it, this house has been abandoned, really. But there is a butler there. Another um, butler? Well, no. You, obviously, the butler opened the door, didn't he? Yeah, but I put him in, I put him in the cupboard. Yeah, no. But I'm saying, like, th- this house it seems to be completely empty, but there's a oh, butler. Oh, apart from the butler. Right. Ah, yeah. sorry. Yes, yes, yes. There's a butler in the house. <laughs> right, right, yeah, right. What are you two going to do? I can't. I mean, I know you can't be a robot, but there's definitely something wrong with that butler. Yeah. Um, but there's nothing there's any, like, the thing is, we're here for our friend. The butler's weird, but that's not our problem right now. Might be a story, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, as you say that, um, you stop hearing that sound coming from underneath the stairs because you could still hear him making that sound just, just slightly. Uh, maybe I should knock him out. The whole time. And uh, now you can't hear anything. So either the problem solved itself or we're going to have a new problem. As you say that, you hear like a bang come from downstairs in the basement. Okay. What are you going to do? Cheese it. Yeah, well, if it's down in the basement, let's go down the basement then. We're looking for somebody. We heard a bang. Yeah. Let's go check it out. That makes sense to me. Okay. As you can see, there's no basement door in the corridor or in either of these rooms. You make your way into the kitchen. And uh, just past the kitchen, you can actually see there's a. there seems to be a door opposite the back door so the rear entrance out into the garden that looks as though it could be an entrance to a cellar or a basement as you walk over and try the door it's unlocked and swings open to a dark staircase and you can just about see um some light shining through uh some of the sort of like supporting struts that come up from the staircase to hold up the floor above oh, hold sense. on hold on hold on this sounds a lot like balthazar's mansion but what, are, what, what are you what are you thinking Wilfred? it's in a different place no we're still in croydon yeah but we were we would know if we were going to balthazar we were dropped off there and knew where we were going i mean this seems like more of the same kind of thing which means there may be more people who work like balthazar or they might be, basically watch out for like you know weird creepy shit downstairs that we had last time Remember what I said before about whether Cicero's worth it? I think this is becoming yes. more and more relevant. <laughs> no. 
Well, Marcus ignores that and keeps walking. <laughs> Fine. Um, so you guys make your way down the basement, yeah? Okay. You come down into the basement and you find a torch propped up on a crate and a shadow, shadowy silhouette outline of someone reaching into a crate and pulling something out. What are you going to do? Have they seen us? Nope. We don't have... I've got my, I've got my lighter, I guess. We can't risk... I think maybe just get a bit closer. Yeah, let's uh, let's think up on them. Striking distance, and maybe we could pull them off. Okay. Um, as you step off the bottom step, it creaks, and the silhouette turns around. And uh, as the light from the torch strikes their face, you can see it's Cresta, and he's oh, bloody hell again, Cresta. <laughs> and he's pulling. Uh, an unconscious and bloody Cicero out of a crate. Right, we got the coat, now let's scoot. Thank you for listening to episode 15 of Spectre in the Fog home turf. Music used in this episode was Abandoned Windmill, Age of Steam, Medieval Fair, and Mountain Tavern from TabletopAudio.com. Once again, I'm sorry for the missing audio, but I do hope you enjoyed the retelling. Stay safe my friends, and keep investigating.